Yeah, thank you, musicians. That's, that's my new favorite song. I, I'm, I'm new to the party on this song. We heard it at Keswick, and we haven't yet learned it as a church. So it's really lovely to sing it with uh, saints here. So thank you. It's a lovely song. It's like a bit old school. It's like a catechism, is it? It asks you questions. That's really pastoral, and then gives you the answers, which helps you, you feed your heart. Um, it's lovely. Great. Well, it's good to be uh, back this evening. Um, uh, for those who weren't here last week, nice to... Um, meet you and uh, maybe speak to you in a bit. Uh, my name's Tim. I uh, come from, well, I didn't come from Tipton. Already you know I'm not from Tipton, just from my words, my accent. I was born in London, um, but we've been in the black country for 16 years now. Um, so I'm still not, still not part of the black country yet, but, you know, maybe give it a few generations. My kids might be, um, although they don't speak with accent either. So let's pray as we come to God's um, word. Father, we thank you that you are speaking God. We thank you for your Spirit's amazing work, the Scriptures breathed out under his amazing work, so that what we read here in in John 21, in in all the Scriptures, is what you have for us, have for us here today, and John tells us that these are written that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life in his name, and I pray that this evening we have that fresh experience of that. And we might know what life in his name uh, looks like and is like and is to be like. Please would you work in us and your same spirit who uh, was with John as he wrote these words would be with us now, each of us, and us as a church family here. Thank you for uh, the church here in Powsall. Lord, please build us up, teach us, correct us, rebuke us, train us, encourage us in all the ways we need. To your glory. Amen. Well, I hope you've been able to be out and about in the summer a bit. And maybe this is Bank Holiday weekend, you might get out. There's certainly been lots of nice weather, hasn't there, to kind of be out and about. Um, and if you're not able to be out and about very much, maybe you can remember uh, enjoying this kind of thing if you have... You might do this yourself, actually, but it might be that if you've got kids or grandkids or nephews and nieces, this is something more particularly that you might do out and about on a nice, uh, nice day. Um, uh, that's just, um, have you done the telling the time with the dandelion yet? Um, that's a, that's, there are lots of games we kind of play with things on walks. So, yeah, the dandelion clock. Um, there's uh, the buttercup which tells you whether you like butter or not, although it's harder, it's harder if you've got a beard, it's a bit unclear. I do like butter, whatever the buttercup says. Um, and then there's this one, isn't there? The, uh, the daisy, the he loves me, he loves me not, or she loves me, she loves me not. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's not a very, it's not a very sure way of finding that out, I can tell you. Um, but... Uh, you know, finding your way in a relationship with someone else can be a bit of a roller coaster. A couple at our church, Grace Community Church in Tipton, on Thursday celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. So we were just rejoicing with them um, uh, today. And I guess they've moved beyond that <laughs> after 60 years. Um, that's kind of like, yeah, I, I, I love you. They, they, 60 years ago, they promised each other that they would love each other. They said, I love you and I will love you. And here they are, 60 years on that kind of I love you was given weight and has been given weight that it should be for a man and a woman in, in marriage. But getting to that point can be a bit, you know, up and down. And when it comes to God's love, we might experience um, the same. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. 
He loves me a lot. If we have a view of Jesus, we were thinking about this last week, where um, he's just really, really kind in a sort of unconditional cheerleader kind of way. He's just for us. Then I think that there's a fear that we have, a doubt, that our relationship with him is a bit shallow because what about the dark places in my life, in my mind, in my heart and soul? What will the kind of cheerleading kind of Jesus really can he really cope with that and with those parts to me? But if we have sort of the opposite view of Jesus where his love is really demanding, you know, he'll love us if only we meet certain standards which are sky high, then how can he possibly love me? Have I done enough? And even if I thought I had done enough, can I keep it up? Those are the kinds of things that we might And John 21 is written to encourage and reassure us as believers, day to day, week to week, in his love. And we looked at that last week, didn't we? We saw the loving Lord Jesus, that this chapter, uh, the miracle, the way he appears, the fact he's called the Lord, reminds us of what a great and mighty king um, he is, the eternal son, to whom you and I utterly depend for everything, our life and our breath and everything. But also the one before whom all of my fickleness... And failure is just laid bare. He, he knows uh, Peter. He knows Peter's failings and how Peter's let him down. And we looked at that, uh, didn't we? But he also is the one who is drawn to me in my sin and in my shame. Who comes to bear all that in himself. That's what he's just done in John's gospel. He's died on the cross for Peter and, and for all his disciples and for all of his people um, every time and every uh, place. He's come to take responsibility for my debts, to remove my guilt. And then, in risen power, to come and to be with us, to be with me, to be in me, to be for me, through the work of his spirit. He loves me. He comes to Peter, doesn't he? And we saw that a conversation was, as uh, uh, Jesus restores Peter over this lovely, amazing sort of beachside morning um, barbecue. And then the question comes, do I love him? Do I love him not? And we thought a little bit about loving the Lord Jesus last week. But we didn't really get to the bit of thinking, well, really, how would we know if we love the Lord Jesus? It's the right response. It's what the Lord wants us to do, to be in that lovely relationship um, with him. But what does it look like to love Jesus. We might think that um, verse um, 7 and 8 might be an indication of love for Jesus. Just raw enthusiasm. Like uh, Peter just jumps out of the boat, doesn't he? And just gets straight to Jesus. And maybe we can think that's what uh, it looks like to love Jesus. And maybe that's part of it. But actually, I think our passage brings it home really uh, forcibly what it is to love Jesus. So verse 15, verse 16, verse 17... What Peter is, um, is asked is, um, do you love me? And then having said, you know that I love you, each time Jesus says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Really clear message, isn't it? Three different ways of saying uh, that. And so loving the Lord Jesus means loving others like Jesus means loving others like Jesus. It means loving Jesus' people. Now, 
I, I think there's a uniqueness here as well, isn't there? Because Peter is, Peter's a, a unique guy. And uh, in a sense, he's the leader. He's the representative of the apostles who've got a unique job. And this passage is in part here to help us to trust their mission and their message because they, they've been entrusted um, uh, and, and told that, that they've got a job to take the message about Jesus to the world. And so we need to know that we can trust it. And they blew it. They totally blew following Jesus. And we could think, oh, well... What do they know? Well, Jesus is restoring Peter to, um, you know, to fellowship with him, in part to kind of give us confidence that um, through Peter and the others, we as sheep can be fed and we can know our shepherd Jesus truly because of what they remembered, what they recorded for us. Um, here we're reading John's account of Jesus. So uh, John 14 the Holy Spirit, the Father will send, will teach you all things and remind you of everything um, I've said to you. John 15, um, the Spirit of truth, he will testify uh, about me. And John uh, 16, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So they haven't messed up so that this isn't going to happen. This is going to happen and Jesus is kind of underlying it. They've got a vital role in God's plan for salvation, and it hasn't been messed up by letting Jesus down, by their failure and cowardice. But the pattern here, I think, holds for every single follower of Jesus um, since then. We don't have that role, but we do have a role in loving um, Jesus' people, loving others like um, uh, uh, Jesus. Um, and that's what we're going to think about in these few, min- few moments. Jesus is in the process of gathering individual sheep into little fl- flocks, churches, part of his one flock, his, his one church. He, he loves them, he loves us, and we're to love them like he does. And just to sort of uh, bring this home, the scripture doesn't just use sheep shepherd language um, for us as Christians. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know this um, inside out. I know I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not trying to say anything new this evening. Just, you know, um, that's a, sometimes a bad thing, isn't it, to say something new? Um, uh, there's the bridegroom and the uh, bride language in Scripture, isn't there? That we, the church, are Jesus' bride. Now, imagine if you said to Tim, not me, other Tim, your Tim, I like you, Tim, I like you a lot. But I can't stand Megan. Or Stephen, Stephen, you're great. So glad you're here. All for you. But Paula, she's so annoying. Now imagine saying that to those guys. What's your relationship with Tim or with Steve going to be like? I hope they wouldn't punch you. But I wouldn't, you know. (laughs) It's going to certainly put some strain on your relationship, isn't it? I love you, Jesus. I'm committed to you, but I don't really like your bride. How's that going to go? It's going to put some strain in our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Imagine Peter says, well, these sheep quite like, they're okay, but I'm not going to do that for those ones. No, they're my, they're my flock. They're my ones. We can't love Jesus and not love his church. We can't divide those two things. Do you love Jesus? Well, the answer to that will be shown in do you love his people, his church? If we love Jesus, we'll love the things, the people 
that he loves. And I guess that might start small, but it will grow. So to kind of illustrate this, um, they're quite cute, aren't they? Um, Our daughter, Evie, loves guinea pigs. For me, they don't lay eggs. I could take them and leave them. I like productive pets. Um, uh, I don't know what that says about me, but anyway, that's true. But I've learned to, I don't know if I could fully say I love guinea pigs, but I'm on the way. They have space in our, house, in our garden. Um, I feed them, and buy them hay, and, um, uh, because I love Evie. And she loves guinea pigs. And so from a small beginning, just more and more. Um, let's do the full tour of my family. Um, uh, Titus, our youngest, um, has got into stamp collecting. He has my old stamp collection, which I was given by my granddad and never really got into. And so now I'm learning the thing which I rejected when I was a kid and didn't really do. Because my youngest, who's eight, is, uh, likes stamps, we sit down every now and again and put some more stamps into a stamp album. And I'm a bit more with him um, with chickens, but he likes hatching um, uh, chicks from the eggs, which introduces a whole new trauma into the having chickens. But because I love Titus, we go through that, and we have to deal with the cockerels who get hatched, and I won't say any more, but, you know, Dad has to deal with things that I wouldn't necessarily want to because I love Titus. And our oldest is Simeon, and, oh, sorry, fishermen out there. I've, I've, never, I've never had any desire to go fishing, and then... Simeon says, oh, Dad, can you take me fishing? But I love Simeon. And so basically it's a walk along the canal in Tipton. Um, We've caught like three fish about this big. And and he has a snake. Oh, neither his mum or I particularly uh, drawn to snakes. But because we love him, so you know what I'm saying. So as we come to love Jesus, we love his things, his people. And that's what... Um, Peter is learning here feed my sheep, feed my lambs and this is true for you and for me Jesus says the same if you love me then feed my people love my people but of course loving others like Jesus loving his people isn't easy Um, it's even messier and more painful and more risky than keeping a snake Um, it can be really difficult can't it and maybe uh, that's kind of your experience even at the moment And so what um, can help us? Loving others like Jesus means loving his people like he does. Jesus' people aren't described as brave lions, are they? They're not described as strong oxes. We're not described as noble horses or even reliable, loyal dogs. What are we described as? Sheep. I think I've got a slide for that. There we go. And Jeremy Clarkson, in his, um, uh, his Amazon Prime thing, he, descri- he describes um, sheep as just animals that are determined to kill themselves. Um, and I, I think that is a genuine farming experience. I did speak to someone who's in a farming family, and they said, yeah, that is about right. Sheep are very difficult creatures. Uh, they are dumpy and wobbly and needy and determined to kill themselves. Prone to wander, prone to let the flock down. And you can imagine... Peter saying to Jesus, you, you, you want me to love them? And Jesus is saying, yes. Yes, just like I love you, you dumpy, wobbly sheep, Peter, who've just denied me. Yes, I want you to love uh, them because I love sheep. I love 
those who've wandered from me far, far away. I'm the rescuer of sheep, and I want you to be involved in that too. We don't love others because they're perfect. We love because God's love is perfect. He loved us. He loves us. He's inviting us, and he empowers us through his spirit to love one another like he does. And so Peter um, is told in verse um, 18 and verse 19, well, it comes right at the end of verse 19, follow me, follow me, copy me, live in my way. It's a way of loving others at great cost. And I'm so glad that uh, uh, we uh, read the whole of that account of uh, Jesus uh, washing his disciples' um, feet. How many faults did Jesus have? None. How many faults did his followers have? Many. But what does Jesus do? And it's so striking. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer garments and wrapped his towel around his waist and then he washed their feet. It's incredible, isn't it? Jesus treated others in a way by minimizing himself to maximize others. So often you and I just flip that round, don't we? We we maximize ourselves and kind of minimize others. I don't know if you uh, have ever worked in or work in a company where there's a chief executive or maybe um, you've at least been to school where there's a head teacher, but maybe you were in a teaching environment. I don't know. Um, Translate it to a world that you know. Imagine the chief exec or the head teacher um, uh, said to one of the cleaners, um, hey, let, let me clean the toilets for you today. Let me clean the toilets for you today. You go home early. And um, here are the keys to my Mercedes. I'll take the bus home. Imagine that. Imagine that. You can't really, can you? Jesus, knowing that the Father had put not just a school or a company, but all things under his power, just served and washed his people's feet. Follow me. Follow me. That's not just to, uh, to, to Peter. It's uh, to um, us too. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. And my father will honor the one who serves me. You're never more like Jesus than when you serve others like him. That's what it means to love others like Jesus. Loving others in ways that get you little or no praise. Maybe in ways that aren't fun for you. And maybe you wouldn't have chosen. So what does that look like in practice? Um, well, I, it looks like being here. It looks like being here and saying, look, these are my people. This is my flock. This is the flock I'm part of. These are my peeps, my sheeps. They're mine. I'm theirs. Literally just, so that is, I mean, that's not all of it, is it? But that is not an insignificant part of what this means to love um, others. And I think, Step more, it means talking to each other, isn't it? Talking to other people about them. Not about you, but about them. What's going on in their life? The things that they're um, enjoying and blessed by, the things that they're struggling um, with, the problems they're having. Maybe it means giving someone a lift so that they can be here, or giving them a lift to a hospital appointment or something that's uh, just really practical needs that they've got. One of the surprising blessings of COVID for us as a church family is that some of um, our 
um, sort of 20s kind of group, um, they all sort of adopted an older member of our congregation and wrote letters, not weekly, but like regularly to them during the periods of lockdown. And then, of course, they got letters back and it ended up, we've got now some kind of grown relationships that didn't exist when we were doing it all face-to-face. But I'd have never thought to write a letter to someone who was older in the church congregation. Um, but so uh, they did, and it was a great blessing. It was a great expression of this. And uh, this is a battle we've got, and I, so I say it here at Pelsall, just not knowing if this is an issue at all. But there are practical ways that we can love each other as well, isn't it? Not just, um, I've, I've kept off from like the rotors, because um, it's easy, isn't it, sometimes to love church life, but not actually love people. But church life matters as well, doesn't it? And it's part of um, loving each other. So, you know, being involved in the maintenance team or, or the sound system or serving the church family as the treasurer. I don't know if you struggle to get treasurers. We really struggle. Our treasurer served for ages and he'd like to give up, but there's no one um, to take it on from him. And uh, all these kind of things. Um, what do I have? What gifts do I have? What capacity do I have? And how can I uh, use that to love others? There are loads of other ways, aren't they? But all of these involve some element of cost, some effort, some energy, some output from us. In a sense, many deaths, many laying our lives down so that others can live. That's what loving Jesus means. It means loving his people like he does, serving them at cost to ourselves. But you might say, yeah, but Tim, you don't know the church here. It's all very well for you to say that over in Tipton. It must be all great over there. But here, it's so different and so difficult. You know, people say one thing and then they do another. Oh, they're so awkward. They want things done their way or not at all. Oh, they're so self-satisfied. They're so critical, so miserable. I don't know what it is. So old-fashioned. To which I think the Lord would say to you, as he would say to me, so tell me about your perfections. (laughs) Tell me about how wonderful you are. And of course, then we think, yeah. Okay, but I, yeah, I don't always do what I say I'll do. I'm, I'm, I can be awkward. I'm someone else's awkward person. Have you ever thought about that as you find someone else awkward and difficult? You are that person to someone else, maybe in this room or in part of the church um, family. But does God still love you? Yes. Guess what? He loves them too. I think there are around 50 one another's in Scripture. And that gives some flesh, doesn't it, to what it means to love one another, accept one another, teach one another, forgive one another, meet with one another, care for one another, be devoted to one another. We're just not meant to live the Christian life alone. And Peter's getting that lesson here from Jesus and being encouraged and equipped for that. It's not easy because it involves copying Jesus, following him in this way of laying down our lives for others. And it's not meant to be easy. But remember, that we do this with the risen Lord Jesus. He's the one speaking these words. And death leads to resurrection. Wheat falls to the ground and produces a crop. So as we learn to love others sacrificially, life comes, we're sustained, and we're made a bit more like Jesus, bit by bit. Listen to um, uh, a guy called G.K. Chesterton. Don't worry if you've never heard of him. Um, He was writing uh, here at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. And this is from something he wrote on the institution of family. Okay, and we're going to sort of use it to think about church family. Some sages of our own decadence have made a serious attack on the family. 
They have impugned it, as I think wrongly, and its defenders have defended it and defended it wrongly. The common defense of the family is that amid this, um, this oh, that might be a mistype, sorry, this, uh, the something and fickleness of life, it is peaceful, pleasant, and at one. I think maybe street is stress. There we go. Um, but there is another defense of the family, which is possible, and to me evident. This defense is that the family is not peaceful and not pleasant and not at one. And his point is, when we have a big society, we choose who we want to be with. And we choose people that we like and who are like us. But when we have a small society or a small community, there's no choice. And we're actually all very different to each other. And it's in the smallness of how God's designed us to be in families that we rub up against each other. And that's actually a good thing, though it's a hard thing. Because it changes us and it helps us to grow in our love and sympathy for one another. In a way that a big society where you just choose who you like actually just develops cliques. And you don't um, develop like that. That's what the Lord Jesus wants us to do. To love others. Others who are other to us. To love his people like he does. And then the last thing to say. It's kind of a, uh, it's a, a, kind of a little application really here. The main point is to love uh, Jesus' people like he does. But just to say that loving Jesus' people is not a competitive sport. Some of us here are competitive people. The story isn't there about the pig and the chicken. They contribute to breakfasts the world over, don't they? The pig and the chicken. Uh, But in different ways, very different ways actually, because the chicken, what does the chicken do? The chicken makes an investment and gives uh, the egg. Maybe it's a significant investment, but it kind of pales into insignificance next to the pig who makes the ultimate sacrifice, doesn't it, to be um, on our uh, plate. The, pig, the chicken kind of goes on with life, but for the pig, it's the end of life. And we all want to be the chicken, don't we? <laughs> we all want to be the chicken in that illustration. And if called on to be the pig and not the chicken, it's so tempting to think, why me? Why can't I be the chicken, and why can't the chicken be, be me? And I think that's what's happening just at the end of this passage. Verse 18, um, uh, uh, Peter is told, isn't he, about um, the future, that he, um, uh, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And that's not just a general prediction about old age, though it is a portrait of some aspects of old age which might ring true to, uh, to, to some of us. But no, verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. So if Peter was beginning to think romantically about loving other people, Jesus really nails it down. This is going to mean you are going to die, Peter, and die in a way that's really um, hard and awful. And then verse 20, Peter turns and saw saw the chicken, (laughs) the other disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, and said, Lord, what about him? Why can't he be the pig and I be the chicken? What about him? And Jesus says basically, mind your own business. Mind your own business. It's not your business what happens to him. You follow me. And that's what Jesus says to each of us. Serving him isn't a competitive sport. How has Jesus gifted you? How has he given you to serve him and to love others? Do that. 
and don't worry about her, and don't worry about her, and don't worry about him. Follow me. Jesus loves others. They're his. He wants you to love others the way that he has done, by serving them sacrificially. And that will involve deaths. And some of them will feel more like pig deaths than chicken egg laying. But don't worry about what others are doing, and how much it costs them. You follow me. Verse 22. You must follow me. And we began, didn't we, thinking of uh, nice walks and the kind of games we can play with different um, uh, plants. Um, but I made reference to it just very briefly. In John 12, Jesus gives us another il- illustration from nature, not of a flower, but actually of a kernel of wheat. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And obviously Jesus was talking about himself there, ultimately, wasn't he? But as we follow him, that's what our lives are to be like. And if we never die, we'll never be fruitful. Pelsall, if you're a church where none of you are ever dying to serve each other, you won't be fruitful. But as you take all those mini-deaths, being here, talking to each other, serving each other, loving each other, learning to do that, keeping doing that, forgiving each other when you get it wrong, all of that stuff, boy, how fruitful that is and how pleasing it is to our Lord Jesus. So let's pray, let's ask his help, and then we'll sing uh, together. Father, we thank you for this end to John's Gospel. We thank you for how uh, we've been reminded of Jesus' great love for us. He died for us, but he also comes to us and brings us to himself. He confronts us with our sins and our failings, but in a way that restores us and brings us uh, back into fellowship with himself. Thank you that you... um, Uh, Call us into loving relationship with um, yourself and with one another. But Lord, that's such a challenge to us as we think about what it means to love um, other Christians, to love our church family, uh, individuals within the church family in a Christ-like way. Lord, we have to say sorry as we think of many ways that we've acted and thought selfishly where we've made church life just to really be about our comfort and um, what makes us um, uh, feel better or um, uh, run, run as Christians rather than really being concerned for one another. Please would you freshly give us a real desire to love you and therefore love your people. Help us to love like you love. Help us when that's not fun, when that isn't centre stage, when maybe it really feels painful. And it feels like we're the only one doing it and others aren't. Lord, help us to hear these words and to really heed them. Follow me. You must follow me. Lord Jesus, please help each of us to follow you in the way that you've pioneered for us the germ of wheat falling into the ground to bring much fruitfulness. And in the specific way that you've set out for us, each of us, in our different season of life, the different people you've made us, the different trials and troubles that we've been given, as well as uh, the um, uh, gifts and uh, more obvious blessings that you've given to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing um, as we respond to God's word. Um, A lovely song that uh, lifts our eyes to Jesus, the servant king. 
um, but then gives us that chance to renew our vow to uh, follow him and to serve others.
Lord, we pray that you would help us, teach us, Lord, maybe convict and rebuke us, Lord, in how we think uh, and treat others, Lord, particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to love them like you have loved us. Lord, make us aware of our shortcomings, Lord. Help us and give us that motivation to put others before ourselves. Lord, in our service to one another, Lord, but ultimately in our love for you, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.